All right. Hey, guys. Welcome. Good evening. Glad you are here. We are in for a special time together. If we've never had the chance to meet before, my name is Dan Sueza. I am one of the pastors here at Connect Church. And I want to start tonight by telling you how excited I am that you're here. Truly grateful that you're going to spend this time with us. I believe this is going to be a really, really helpful time for many of us, including me. Um, there is a lot of work to be done in the areas of anxiety, faith, confidence, peace, mental health, all of those different things. And I want to say from the very beginning, as a pastor, maybe you are a part of our church, maybe you're not, but I want you to know from the very jump that you are not a second-class person if you struggle with anxiety or other mental health concerns, and you're not a failure as a Christian. I don't know if you realize this or not, but if you were to go through the scripture, you would find a huge number of people that if they lived in modern times, we would say, oh, they were battling some mental health problems. They had anxiety disorders and all sorts of other things. And so um, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you a person to have these sorts of issues and battles. And so Connect Church is a place where anybody can come and hopefully find the healing that God intends for them. So um, we want to tell you a little bit about what's going to happen tonight. We are um, going to be led through a session by the ladies from the Hope Care Counseling Center. I'll introduce them to you in just a minute. We're going to be here for about an hour and a half. It might be a little bit less, um, but they're going to be sharing a bunch of really, really practical tips to help you guys um, deal with, you know, anxiety and, and those sorts of, of deals. Um, and yeah, I just, I want you guys to know that tonight is going to be as good as you make it, right? So I want to challenge you to take some notes. When you came in, you may have gotten a clipboard and some paper if you're like old school and you like the feeling of writing with your hand. If you didn't or that's not your jam, totally okay. Would you make sure to pull out your phone tonight though and um, take some notes there? I think that would be really helpful to keep some of these things like in your pocket with you at all times, okay? Um, and then um, we are going to have a bit of a break halfway through. And uh, when we get done tonight, we're going to end with a Q&A session, which I think will be really um, helpful. But we also know that when we're doing an anxiety conference, the idea of raising your hand in front of, me, in front of a crowd and <laughs> in front of your face might be a little bit difficult. So we're going to make this as easy as we possibly can for you. You're going to notice on the screens throughout tonight this little QR code. So um, if you don't mind, even now, go ahead and take out your phone, scan that with your camera app. It's going to take you to a little program that will let you anonymously submit questions. And so you can ask whatever you want. Literally nothing is off limits tonight. And um, you don't have to raise your hand and ask the question out loud. The other cool thing is even if you don't plan on asking a question yourself, you can actually see the questions that have been submitted by other people and you can upvote them. So you're like, ooh, I want to see him answer that one. You can do that. Just upvote it, and that'll tell us, hey, this is something that many people are interested in. So make sure that you uh, scan it now, or anytime you see a QR code tonight, you can scan it, and it'll take you right to the Q&A page. Sound good? Okay. Um, one more quick bit of housekeeping before I introduce our speakers to you. Um, washrooms. If you're new to the building, there is a washroom right on the other side of this wall here on the first floor. And um, if you need it, feel free to use it. If it's occupied, we have more and larger washrooms upstairs, men's and women's. So go to the top of the stairs or take the elevator up and um, you'll find the washrooms right up there, super easy. There's also water in the back. So help yourself at any point. If you feel the need to get up, move around, feel free. You're not locked in your seat. It's not a classroom or anything like that, okay? We're just really, really glad you're here. Okay, we have um, two special guests with us tonight. I've had the opportunity to talk with them in many different contexts before, and I think you're really going to appreciate them. Um, so first, I want to introduce you to Jennifer Holmes, who is the director of the Hope Care Counseling Center here in Calgary. 
Um, Jennifer has a master's of arts in counseling, and she is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to scripture, mental health, and um, just things that I think you're going to find very beneficial. She has been very helpful to me as a pastor when I'm like, hey, how do I deal with this issue? You know, when somebody comes up and I don't have a lot of experience, she's given me a lot of great resources and insights. So I know how valuable her input and advice is going to be to you today. And then secondly, I want to introduce you to Holly Prosida. Holly is a friend and a co-laborer here in this city. We've been working to, to start churches and strengthen churches in Calgary for many years together. But in addition to her work in the church planting space, uh, Holly also has undergraduate degrees in psychology, graduate degrees in counseling. So these are two extremely qualified ladies. And uh, again, I just believe tonight is going to be really, really helpful. So would you guys help me welcome these two ladies to the stage? And we will turn it over to you two, okay? Thank you. We're so excited to be here tonight. Thank you for coming. And I know um, coming to a mental health seminar can be a little intimidating, so I really am thankful that you came out here today. Um, if you have not yet gotten a note sheet, um, I would invite you to go back to the back and grab one. Or pa All right, Pastor Dan is going to do that for us. Um, I just want to tell you a little bit about Hope Care Center. Uh, it's a ministry of the Aspen Network uh, here in Calgary and Cochrane. And we started this ministry up in order to walk alongside people with one-on-one -on -one care, but also to walk alongside churches. And we want to do things like Oh, one over there. <laughs> uh, do things like these seminars to help church people uh, understand more about their own mental health and also how to help others. So we create resources and we do seminars and we also do one-on-one -on -one care. So if you are interested in any of those things, please um, see where the banner is at the back. We have some cards with a QR code and you can check out our website there. Um, so... We are going to start with a little bit of an icebreaker first, just to get you like loosened up because this is a hard topic. And so we're just going to have a little bit of fun for a second. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Holly's doing the icebreaker because I hate icebreakers and I think they're terrible. <laughs> but I'm going to sit up here and then you guys can do the icebreaker. <laughs> and honestly, for a lot of people, you say the word icebreaker and your anxiety spikes a little bit, right? Of like, oh my gosh, what are you going to make me do? Um, I also hate icebreakers, but I love leading them. I'm that weird kind of youth pastor-ish kind of person of like, I love making other people do things that maybe might make them a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but this one's real easy. It's not super complicated. So on the handout that you got when you came in, uh, on the one side is a great note-taking space. We'll get to that eventually. On the other side, this is my favorite game I've ever created. It's called Fear Bingo. Okay. So what we're going to do, and here's my challenge to you, we're going to take about seven minutes, because I like the number seven, and seven is a happy number for me. Seven minutes, What you, first thing you need to do, if there is a phobia that's listed on there that you can identify with, if it's one that you can identify with, go ahead and initial it off. Like you get one box, one box for yourself. And I googled the top 100 fears and these are some of the ones that I most related to. So um, I will confess that there's a lot on here that I will put my initials on happily. And if there's none that you don't relate to, God bless. <laughs> Just one for you. Just one for you. 
One that you like, I will claim this phobia as my own. Yeah, pretty much. All right, so now what we're going to do for the next seven minutes is I want you to find people in the room that are willing to admit that they have a fear. Okay, so you're trying to get the boxes filled in with other people's initials. Okay, everybody good? Understand? Any questions? If you really need the dentist to finish your bingo, you can come see me. Yes, we, we both have a, a number of ones we can sign off on if you need it, okay? So this is going to require you to get up a little bit, talk to people. We're going to go seven minutes starting now. Go ahead and make your way back to your seats. I have to say I'm highly entertained by the different strategies of different people in this activity. Uh, anybody get a full card? Full card, full card? Anybody get four in a row? Four in a row? Oh, look at all the hands. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, did you anybody find somebody that had the same fear that you initialed? Yeah, yeah. So remember those people. That's your support group. Okay. Uh, so just keep in mind who maybe had the same fear, and you can help each other through that. Um, now, this is just fun and games, uh, and I thank you for participating. You guys did a great job. Um, and, but phobias are real, right? And fears are real, and that's kind of the things that um, induce anxiety a good bit. So again, hopefully this didn't induce anxiety in you to have to go around and talk to people. But if it did, I apologize. Um, we'll give you some tools to help deal with it in a little bit here. Uh, but just just keep in mind, we all have things that we're afraid of, things that we that make us upset, that just kind of bug us. Um, I clowns. If a clown were to walk in this room right now, I'd be heading that way. Uh, I can't can't do it. Can't even be in the room with clowns. It just I don't. My heart starts racing and my blood pressure goes up, and I'm like I. And that's just a whole another long story of my own self analysis. But. Um, but phobias are real. Um, people do struggle with them. People do suffer with them at varying levels. Okay, uh, so um, we're going to start now. Jen's going to talk to us a little bit about some of the physical aspects of anxiety. So I'm going to hand it back over to her. Right. So we're going to talk about physical anxiety, and I really, really appreciated the way Pastor Dan um, opened up and talked about how anxiety is real and is a physical thing, and we have a lot of people who struggle with it, and other mental illnesses also. Uh, about five years ago, I was diagnosed with bipolar two disorder, and that really, that's what sent me back to school to do counseling and to learn more on how to really help people with their mental illness, but also integrate their faith into it. And um, I really appreciate when churches do things like this, where we acknowledge that our need of education in our mental health. Uh, the first time I started experiencing anxiety was in 2020. Something happened in 2020, right? That started increasing anxiety in a lot of people. And anxiety is on the rise in Canada. Um, particularly all over the world, I am sure. But um, the stats in Canada tell us that anxiety has been on the rise a lot since the pandemic. And uh, I remember when the world shut down on like Saturday, on the Friday, 
I had to cancel plans to fly out to California on Saturday with our whole family. And we were going to go see a college my son wanted to go to. And we were going to go on family vacation. And it was going to be great. And I decided on the Friday, in case this is a thing, maybe I should cancel our vacation so I'm not stuck in another country. And so I did the thing that all good people do when you're about to go on vacation, which is eat everything in your house and leave yourself with nothing, right? And so, um, so Saturday, when we were not getting on a plane to California, I had to go to the grocery store. And that's when all the new laws started going into place. And I pulled up to the grocery store, <clears throat> and there was a lineup outside. And I was like, I have never seen a lineup at my grocery store before. And then there was markings on the sidewalk where I had to stand six feet from the person in front of me. And then there was this loudspeaker um, playing with this lady in like a robotic voice saying, please keep your distance from everyone else. And it was like really frightening. It was really, I don't know why they thought that would be reassuring, but it wasn't, it was really frightening. And then I walked in and everybody was talking about not being able to find toilet paper and pasta and flour and all the things, right? There is um, signs on the shelves saying you can only take two. Well, I had three teenagers at the time. Two boxes of pasta does not last us a week anymore. And so I started having this huge sense of anxiety in the grocery store. And it got to the point that it was so bad that I had to convince myself to even go grocery shopping in the months that followed. And I started wondering, does God care about my anxiety? Does God care like that I can't breathe when I go in the grocery store? Does God care about this problem that seems small compared to a worldwide pandemic? Does, does he care about the fact that my body is having trouble, that my spirit is having trouble. And I will spoil the end of the story. Yes, he does care. And he really does. And um, so I started really researching, along with getting my um, degree, what is happening in our bodies during anxiety, and that's the part I wanna to talk to you about. Because I believe that if you really understand what is happening in your body, and what is happening in your brain, and the processes of it, that you will be comforted by that. And that will give you knowledge going forward in how to handle panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And it will also show you you know, God cares about your body, and he made it a certain way, and he made it so that it can be regulated, and it can be um, calmed down through different um, methods and through other people also. And so uh, it just shows us how we can uh, move through anxiety, knowing what is happening in our bodies. So the first thing we need to talk about is a little part of your brain called the amygdala. Has anyone heard of an amygdala before? Oh, only three hands. Okay, so four. All right, so we are going to have fun with a little bit of talking about the brain here. So this is a small part of your brain that triggers your fight, flight, or freeze response, okay? So I am from Ontario, 
was actually born in Alberta, but then moved to Ontario as a small child and lived there until a year and a half ago. And a year and a half ago, I moved to Calgary and became absolutely obsessed with hiking in the mountains. And if, uh, if, you are, if you know me, I'm also a writer. I just did a book with like all pictures of mountains. My Instagram is all pictures of mountains. Everybody just knows I'm obsessed with them. And so I'm gonna use a hiking illustration. So imagine that you were hiking and you saw a bear in the woods. Okay. Now, if you see that bear in the woods, God gave you your amygdala so that you either can run away from that bear or you have the strength and energy to fight that bear. Okay. And we, we, the amygdala does this by sending adrenaline and cortisol through your body. It takes over from your prefrontal cortex. Your prefrontal cortex is the thinking center of your brain. So the thinking center and the logic center of your brain turns off. Your amygdala turns on and floods your body with adrenaline. What does adrenaline produce? Strength, racing heart, shallow breathing, all the symptoms that we associate with panic, right? But if we have the need, for that adrenaline and that cortisol, it is very important. So if you come across a bear in the woods, you need to run away really fast, faster than you've ever run in your life. Or you need to fight really hard, more than you fought in your life. And this is where we get stories of like mothers lifting cars off their children or people surviving huge um, trauma events because the adrenaline and the cortisol running through their body was protecting them. And this is an important response, and it is a God-given response. It is very good. God created it, and we need it. The problem happens when there's this amygdala hijack. And so um, it kicks in, takes over your brain, flooding your body with adrenaline, and and the problem is, is when we don't need this response, right? So what is the result on the nervous system when we have this adrenaline or amygdala hijack? Um, there's an increased heart rate, shallow breathing, can lead to panic attacks. We have other symptoms like stomach pain, tingling in the limbs, foggy thinking, chest pain, dizziness, trembling or shaking, sweating, or irritability. So all of those things can be symptoms of anxiety. A lot of people don't even know that a lot of stomach pain can be a symptom of anxiety. Or if you are just having trouble breathing a lot. Uh, there was one year I went to the hospital three times and was told I was having asthma attacks when really we found out later they were panic attacks. And so um, it can be hard to distinguish because there are so many things happening in your nervous system. So that's why I just like to give people a list so you can look at that and say, oh, when I'm worried or anxious, I'm having some of these symptoms. That's what explains it. It's a really scary thing if you can't breathe. And it's a really scary thing if your limbs start tingling or you start having a lot of dizziness or chest pain. Now, if you have chest pain, please go get that checked out. But um, it can also be a result of 
of the amygdala hijack. So why does my brain think I'm in danger? So if I see a bear, I think I'm in danger because I am in danger, right? But sometimes our brain does this amygdala hijack when we're not actually in danger. So if we go back to that grocery store uh, example, I was standing in front of the pasta aisle. I can, I can see where it was. I know exactly what store I was in. I know I was looking at the whole wheat pasta, the rot rotini, I think it's called. And I saw the sign that said limit two, and I started having a panic attack. And I just thought, what if I can't feed my kids? I'm going to start to I'm going to start to worry about this and I started having a panic attack. And did I need adrenaline and cortisol to buy pasta? No, I didn't. And so that becomes a problem then because what is happening is the adrenaline and cortisol are now just sitting in my body. There's no, it's no, there's nowhere for it to go. I'm not fighting that bear. I'm not running away, using up that adrenaline. So it's just sitting there creating anxiety in me. Events that can lead to anxiety can be past triggers. So for, it took me a long time to go into a grocery store again without feeling anxiety because I had had a panic attack in one. And so, Therefore, my brain associated grocery store equals panic attack. Grocery store equals anxiety. And it took a long time for that past trigger to not come up. A lot of people have trauma in their past that will trigger anxiety for them. Real danger leads to anxiety. Sometimes we are around unsafe things and that can trigger our anxiety as well. But we can also have it triggered by perceived danger. If your body feels like it's in danger because of a past experience, it will perceive danger again. And so then you start to trigger that amygdala response where it starts to flood that adrenaline and cortisol throughout your body. And the world is designed to make us anxious right now. Uh, someone asked me, why do you think anxiety is on the rise? Well, there was a pandemic, but I think more realistically, I think the we are both too connected and not connected enough. And that might seem like a contradiction, but I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. When was the last time you watched the news and they said, you need a break? We're just going to talk about good things today. And we're going to show you like puppy videos and that the weather is supposed to be over 20 every day this week in Calgary, right? <laughs> yes, barbecue weather. And so the, the news is not going to tell you that, right? They might tell you the weather, but they're not going to like hype it up like that. Um, and so <laughs> we, are, um, we are too connected to the bad. It used to be that we lived in a time before the internet where you only knew about the bad things in your family and your small community, and you had that community support to deal with those bad things. Now we know all the bad things in the whole wide world. 
And we are not emotionally resilient enough to deal with all of that all the time. And sometimes we can get into cycles on the internet, on our algorithms, where things, bad things are just being shown to us all the time. And we are too connected to the bad. And we are not connected enough to the good. We don't have community the same way we used to often. Many people are lonely and many people are having trouble finding, uh, what do they say, it? IRL friends, right? Like in real life friends. And, um, and so it's hard for us sometimes to find our community, to find um, connection, to find those people who are willing to walk with us through our dark times, right? And that can be for two reasons. It can be hard to find them, but it's also we are in a society where it's not really safe to admit that we are having hard times and to tell somebody, I need help. I need someone to walk with me through this time. So we are both too connected and not connected enough. And this causes a lot of anxiety in us. Uh, we can we can look at uh, smartphone usage, we can look at internet usage, we can look at um, the news cycles, all of those things and see how we are flooding our bodies with fear because anxiety is a fear response. Good when it is God-given and when it is used for what God intended it for, but hard to deal with when it's not using up that adrenaline and cortisol. So we're gonna talk about some practical ways to calm down a nervous system. We had that result on the nervous system, all that increased heart rate, shallow breathing, all of that stuff. So how, down, how do we calm down a nervous system? We need to stop the amygdala hijack. So we get the frontal lobe or the thinking center of the brain to take back over. Okay, so remember we said that prefrontal cortex is turning off and the amygdala is turning on. So one way we can stop that amygdala hijack and stop that adrenaline and cortisol from flowing out is to uh, get the prefrontal cortex or the logic center of the brain to kick back in. So we do this by doing things that are hard for our brain. Okay, so some people count by threes instead of by twos. If you try to count by threes for very long, I won't demonstrate it because I won't get very high, all right? Or you can count backwards from 100. Or you can recite a long passage of scripture you've memorized. Something that triggers your logic center of your brain to start taking back over and clicking back in. You can focus your mind on a word or phrase. We need biblical meditation. And we can take a word or a phrase from scripture and say that over and over and over again. It clicks in our logic center and has the double blessing of being supernatural. God's word doesn't return void, right? And so if you, um, particularly if you have anxiety about one thing, you can find a scripture verse or a um, phrase from scripture to say to combat that anxiety. And it will do that in a spiritual sense, but it will also do it in the, in the brain. 
which is really cool that brain science and the Bible agree so often. And so focusing on a word or a phrase will really help you. The best way to access the nervous system is through deep breathing. And so we want to add in deep breathing to those other things that we are doing. Ha has anyone ever heard of box breathing? A few people, okay. So box breathing is where you breathe in for four. Let's do it together. Let's get some oxygen in your brains and keep you awake, right? It's a bad time of day to try and sit through a seminar. All right, so breathe in for four. One, two, three, four. Hold it for four. Two, three, four. Let it out for four. Two, three, four. Hold it for four. Two, three, four. And you can even watch going around a screen, going finding a square that you can have your eyes go around. And if you do that nice and deep and you're holding it, what it does is it calms down your heartbeat and it accesses your nervous system, and it helps you to start to calm that down. And it also convinces your body that you can breathe, because sometimes you have anxiety and you feel like you can't breathe. And so you can add scripture to that too. A lot of people do breath prayer, and so they, they say a phrase from the Bible, um, be still, and so you, you say that as you breathe in, be still, hold it for four, and know I am God, and hold it for four. And you're adding, again, adding a component of the spiritual and the physical together and calming down that nervous system, clicking in your prefrontal cortex. We can also co-regulate with others, right? So if you see a little infant and they are crying, this little girl is crying, crying and crying and crying and she's two months old what do we do we like put her on the ground and say get a hold of yourself and walk away right <laughs> no we take that baby and we bounce it and we sing to her and we kiss her and help her and calm her down that is a quick example of co-regulation and that baby is not born with the ability to regulate their own nervous system. And so they need a trusted adult to help them learn how to co-regulate or how to regulate themselves. And we, as that child grows, we expect them to need that a little less and less, right? They start to learn to regulate their own emotions. And because we grow out of that, we think that as adults, we don't need that anymore, but we do. The Bible says, weep with those who weep, laugh with those who laugh, bear one another's burdens, right? And so we, we are meant to co-regulate with one another. How many times have you thought, I could make this through if I just had a hug? Or I just had someone to put their arm around me? Or someone to breathe with me? If you have someone, you're in the middle of panic and someone holds your hands, says, breathe with me, let's do that box breathing we learned at church together, that will help them calm down so much faster than on their own. The last thing is, uh, last big thing is exercise. So think of the idea of the um, amygdala flooding your body with adrenaline and cortisol. Where is it going? 
nowhere. Because often we just sit and we worry, right? And we, we think, I'm, I can't breathe. I can't, I have panic. This is what is going on in my body. If you can exercise, if you can do what God made you to do when that happens, like run or fight, don't fight anyone. But if you can, if you can run or do something, then you use up that adrenaline and it starts to calm down your nervous system. So I have a friend who every time he starts to feel anxiety, he stops and does 20 push-ups, And it really helps. You can do uh, a bunch of jumping jacks or go for a walk. Anything that will help use up some of that adrenaline that is going through your body. So a couple of other things you can do, uh, useful things, deep breathing throughout the day. Just keep in touch with that nervous system. Reminders of safety. Remind yourself that you are safe, that you do not need to fear, that you, uh, you can even think of like a place where you really love, like Upper Kananaskis Lake, where I just was on Thursday, and it's like my favorite place in the world. And so when I feel anxiety, I think that I just pretend like I'm there and laying on a rock in the sun. Limit caffeine. Nobody likes to hear that, but caffeine mimics adrenaline, right? So if you are having a lot of anxiety, try cutting caffeine out of your life and see what it does for you. It's amazing. Continue to drink your coffee in your Starbucks. Don't worry. I won't judge you. Um, walking outside. Mental Health Canada says that walking and being outside are the top two things you can do for your mental health. So if you can walk outside, you're doing a lot. Prayer, breath prayer we just talked about, and meditation on truth. All of those things start to click in your um, prefrontal cortex and help you to focus. So understanding what's going on in our brains and in our bodies lowers our level of anxiety about what is happening and helps us give, us give us some measure of control and some measure of safety about what is going on. So now Holly is going to talk about the spiritual aspect of anxiety because we are both inner man and outer man. We both have a soul and a body, right? So we want to learn how to take care of both. Okay, um, so everybody take a deep breath. We're good. We're, we're going to take a break as soon as I get done talking. So I'll talk fast, but hopefully not too fast for you. Um, so this next slide always throws everybody off because everybody's like, hey, it's a blank slide and there's just eyeballs on it. Um, but I want to tell you a story. This is about little um, three-year-old Holly, four-year-old Holly, somewhere in there. So I was about a third of the size I am now, uh, or maybe less. Uh, and uh, I was at church and it was a Sunday night and we had a kid's class or whatever it was, and I, we took a washroom break as a group. And so all the teachers, you know, did the head count and all the things, and we went in, and, and all I can remember, and even starting to talk about this, my heart is starting to race a little bit, uh, I was in the stall and taking care of my business. I was getting ready to come out, and the teacher must have thought that I had already gone back to class. Everybody else had gone back to class, turns the lights off in the washroom. I'm in a stall as a four-year-old in a washroom, pitch dark, literally like this. My anxiety went through the roof. Now, my four-year-old self didn't know it was anxiety, but 
because of that experience, for the next probably 10 years of my life, I was afraid of the dark, right? Because I felt abandoned, I felt alone. I didn't even know how to get out of the stall because I couldn't see in front of me. And, and that, that, that hurt me and that scarred me and that for the rest, for the next little bit, even anytime my parents would go to put me to bed at night, I could not go to bed without the nightlight on. Uh, anytime the, there was a thunderstorm, I got scared because it might knock out the electricity and we'd lose power and it'd get dark in my room and then I was gonna be trapped again. So I learned from that experience as a four-year-old to be afraid of the dark. Now, my glorious loving mother, who I love dearly, uh, taught me a verse. Rather than just saying, get over it, you'll be okay, it's dumb that you're afraid of the dark, um, there's a light on, you'll be okay. She taught me a verse, it's Isaiah 41.10 that says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. She even like made a little poster of it, put it up in my bedroom so that I could remember that. Now, did my four-year-old self remember all of that? No, the part that my four-year-old self remembered is, do not fear, I'm holding you, right? Even when that fear triggered, I knew that God had me. Now, did I? Do I believe that every day of my life since then? No, because <laughs> I'm human and I, get, I forget that God is holding me and I don't have to fear. But my four-year-old self took great comfort in this verse and because I knew that even when it was dark, even when I was scared, God was there with me and I wasn't alone. So we don't all have moms like mine that have instilled this, this love of scripture and this belief in God. So what what are what are some things that we can do if you start searching through scripture or if you google do not fear in the bible you're going to get lots of responses god seemed to say to a lot of different people fear not do not fear don't be afraid okay so there's a lot of scripture that you can turn to that say do not fear but sometimes we we they apply to us sometimes they don't you just have to be careful about not taking things out of context right so I think before we get too far into it, I wanna differentiate the difference between fear, worry, and anxiety, okay? Um, and I, I have completely like stolen, borrowed, whatever this from Jen. These are Jen's definitions that she has fabulously written that I will use for the rest of my life. Um, fear is, is God-given, right? It's natural, it's, it's our response to danger, okay? When we are, feel like we're in danger, we should be afraid. If the bear is standing there, I should have a little bit of a fear reaction because that is for my protection, okay? Worry is when that fear gets unhealthy, when I'm just sitting in a chair thinking about a bear and I start to feel anxious. Or if I start seeing one of you go towards the light switch and you're gonna make it dark in here, my heart rate starts going up. I'm okay, I'm safe. My amygdala is trying to take over, but I need to remember that I need to stay calm, right? So worry is when fear gets to an unhealthy point, when you're fearing things that you may not need to be fearing, okay? And then anxiety is the physical manifestation of fear, like we just talked about, right? So that's when your body is telling you something's not okay, and you have to filter it through the truth of, is it real, or is it not? Is it fear, is it anxiety, is it worry, okay? Um, again, it's a lot, it, uh, it's very small differences in it, but a lot of times we interchange them when we probably shouldn't, okay? 
So um, I want to look at probably what's one of the most quoted verses uh, around uh, anxiety. Does anybody know what it is? Like, uh, can name an anxiety verse right off the top of your head? Philippians. Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious. Right? Pretty simple. Feels like it should be pretty simple. Anybody just read it and say, yep, okay, good. I mean, my hand's going down. Um, <laughs> I wish. Uh, but uh, I think what's important in this passage is to look at the rest of this, the, the verses around it. Okay, so we're going to look at verses uh, 4 to 9. Um, and so verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And, and again, I say rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. So one of the ways that we can kind of combat uh, anxiety is to rejoice. Okay, and, and it's not always easy in the moment. Right when your your body's taking your amygdala's hijacked you and you're like your heart's racing you're in a panic attack, but if you take a second, calm your breath, calm your heart rate, find something positive to focus on, find something to rejoice in. Okay, um, it feels contradictory because you're kind of in this panic mode and for somebody, well, just just be grateful. Okay, maybe not say it like that, <laughs> but look for that opportunity to be like, no, I'm safe. Remind yourself that you're safe. Remind yourself that you're okay. Remind yourself that there are good things happening right now. Try not to focus as much on what is causing the anxiety right now. Um, so I, I'm, an, I'm a self-proclaimed nerd. I, I, love, I love learning things. I love, I used to be a math teacher. I love reading books, like uh, nerd all the way through. Okay, um, so like learning the science of psychology has been so entertaining to me throughout the course of my life. Uh, so study shows that um, happy hormones, serotonin, endorphins, dopamine, cannot coexist with anxiety horm hormones. So you can't have the cortisol and the adrenaline the same time that you're having serotonin and endorphins. They, they cancel each other out, they can't happen. So sometimes if you're starting to feel anxious and panicked, it's going to sound the most cheesiest thing ever, but if you just put a smile on your face, because what happens when you smile? It releases the good endorphins, the good hormones, and they will cancel out the negative ones. Okay, So that's part of our rejoicing. Um, and Paul also says here, let your graciousness uh, be known to everyone. Okay, And so graciousness and, and rejoicing are pretty similar. Again, finding things to be, another translation says gentleness. Okay, and I think the important part of this one is to be gentle with yourself. Because a lot of times when we're struggling with something, when we're having that anxious moment and those anxious thoughts, the first thing we start to do is criticize ourselves, right? Like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this again? Why can I not get a hold of this? And that's not helping. <laughs> so I think it's important that we let our graciousness, our gentleness, and especially if you're walking with someone else who is struggling with anxiety, right? If we don't struggle with it ourselves, there's pretty good chance, pretty high percentage, you know somebody who is struggling with anxiety, right? So be gracious to them. Be gentle with them. When they're having a panic attack over something for the seventh time, help them. Be gracious. Help them. Remind them to rejoice, okay? Because we can't get into their brains to help them, but we can help them calm down. We can help them release some of those good hormones that will naturally help cancel out the negative hormones, okay? Uh, and I love the last part of these two verses, uh, the Lord is near, right? If we rejoice and if we are gracious and gentle, the Lord is near. We don't have to do this on our own. 
Okay, God is here. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to know that he is with you. All right, the next two verses. It's, it's the big one. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so again, that do not be, do not worry about anything, right? Um, that, that's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, the part that comes after that is, but let your requests be made known to God. Okay, so that is, that's prayer, right? And that is, uh, he wants to hear from you. Even if you feel like your anxiety is not something you should take to God, he wants to hear from you. He loves you, and he wants to share the load with you. He doesn't want you to have to hold it on your own. He wants to come close to you, and he wants to remind you that you're not by yourself and that he has an answer for you. Um, and I love that it says, with thanksgiving, because then it goes back to the graciousness and the rejoicing. They all kind of build on each other and, and are, are woven together in a puzzle-like almost. And it's like solving an equation. I'm going to be the math nerd for a minute. Sometimes to solve for x, we have to move other variables around, right? And so if we do things like put together our gentleness, we put together our rejoicing, we put together our prayers, we put together our thanksgiving, then we can solve for x. We can solve for anxiety. Um, and I think it's, an, and again, it says um, at the end of verse 7, uh, the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. So if we kind of do these things that are leading, you know, rejoicing, the graciousness, the gentleness, all of that, the Lord is near, and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. One of the ways that I cannot be anxious in my mind is because I have God helping to guard my mind right? Because I've given it to him. I've asked him and invited him in to help protect that, okay? And then the last uh, two verses here, uh, verses eight and nine, says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things, do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the Lord of peace will be with you. Okay, so on verse 8, um, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if we're thinking about those things, do we leave much room for anxiety? Not usually. Or if you're having anxious moments and you start sending it through the filter of, is this true? Is this pure? Is this lovely? A lot of times it'll help cancel out or lessen the anxious feeling because we're looking at the things that are the positive side, right? Um, whatever is commendable, dwell on these things is what this tran translation says. Another translation says, think on these things, right? So if we can filter our thinking through these filters that God has set up for us that are in our brain already, uh, then it helps to cancel out a lot of the anxious thoughts that we experience. Uh, and then verse 9, uh, do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Uh, again, to me, that says we don't have to do this alone, right? Like, if you struggle with anxiety or you've come through a season of anxiety and come out the other end, be willing to share your story. Because when we share our stories, people find that they can relate to us. And sometimes that can give them that little glimpse of hope that they may need to get through their anxiety, right? 
or if a friend is, is, you sit down and you're having coffee and they're pouring their hearts out to you and they're like, I've been so anxious. Two of the most powerful words to me is me too, right? So by walking together, by learning and receiving from others around us, because God created us for relationship, right? God created us for community. He created us to not have to face this alone. The worst thing you can do if you are struggling with anxiety is to isolate yourself. Because what happens when you isolate yourself? The spiral just gets bigger and deeper, and you're, you dig into a hole farther and farther, right? We're not made to fight these things alone, okay? So be willing to, to just walk with people. Be willing to share your story. It takes a lot of courage to share your story. Uh, it takes a lot of, sometimes you have to swallow your pride to admit that, yeah, I've struggled with this. Because sometimes we think, oh, as Christians, we should have it all together. Well, we don't. Um, if you think that, then Pastor Dan's here. You should probably chat with him. Um, you know, so being vulnerable and being willing to share our stories, I think, is important because we need each other in this journey, right? Um, and then I love, again, at the end of this, the God of peace is, will be with you, right? The first two verses, the Lord is near. The second two verses, uh, his peace will, uh, that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind. This last verse, the God of peace is with you, right? Because to me, the opposite of anxiety is peace, right? And we all want to have more peaceful lives, right? We want things that are not stressful. We want things that are not triggering our anxiety. We want to, to live at peace, right? And God says, if you do these things, I'll be near. And I'm happy to give you the peace that I have and share the peace that I have with you. So, um, yeah, so again, when someone quotes that do not be anxious verse, I think it's important that we look at the rest of the verses um, because there's a lot of good truth that will help us to combat the anxiety and to help us not be anxious. It's not like a verse that just says, do not be anxious, and then, okay, now good luck, figure it out. Um, there are steps and there are things, and I, I know I personally am so thankful that the God of peace is near me and that his peace will guard my heart and mind. Um, this is a verse that I, I have on my mirror right now, that, that the God of peace would guard my heart and mind because my mind is, is spiraling a lot lately, and I'm asking God to bring me his peace and replace that uh, because he's in control. And so that's really just what I wanted to share with you is with these verses here, um, and just know that even when we physically struggle with anxiety, uh, God cares. He's not left you alone to do it uh, by yourself, and he's not left you alone to figure it all out by yourself. Uh, and he wants you to bring it to him, and he wants you to bring it to other people as well. So I believe now we'll take a bit of a break now. So uh, 10 minutes, Pastor Dan, is that okay? Good to me. Okay. Yeah. Let's do, we'll do 10 minutes. Um, so grab some water, hit the washroom, maybe meet somebody that you haven't met. If, you, if we don't want to do this alone, then finding somebody that that understands your struggle can be very helpful. And then don't forget the QR code. We'll put that back on the screen. Many of you have submitted questions. We've already got about half a dozen. And um, we want to hear some more. So, like, take some time, type them out, vote on the ones that are there, and we'll do Q&A when we get back. All right, see you in 10. Okay, we're going to go ahead and dive into some Q&A. But you know what? Before we do, 
Holly encouraged us to tell our story. And so um, I'll just briefly share a little bit of my experience with, with anxiety and maybe even depression. I was never formally diagnosed or anything like that. But in 2020, the pandemic was going on, the church was online and, you know, things were looking rough. I wasn't sure, like, how long is this going to last? Is, are we still going to have the church and all these different things? And then, you know, I got the bright idea. Oh, well, let's, you know, in the middle of a pandemic when we're not even meeting, let's find a space and sign a contract. And so we did. And then we got ourselves on the hook for a construction bill that ended up being double what we expected it to be. Double. And then we had shady contractors and the pandemic kept dragging out and like delaying everything. I mean, it was rough. And so I started getting in my head and I'm like, oh my gosh, we've made a giant mistake. Like I, 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 we, we sold everything in Florida. We moved up here, left behind all of our friends and family, quit good jobs, cash in the retirement policies, all that stuff to make this happen. And then one dumb financial mistake or decision is going to bury us. The church is not going to survive. There's no way we can. We had to raise $100,000 extra. And I was like, there's no, like, what are we going to do? We can't do that. And so I just started spiraling. It got really in my head. Amber, you know, she's got like crazy faith. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to say she's stubborn. That's the wrong word. She's like confident, right? And so she's like, we're going to be fine. We'll get the money. God will provide, you know. But I just couldn't, I couldn't accept that. And so um, she'll tell you, like, I stopped eating. I would wake up every, this for four months. I would wake up every night at 2 a.m. And I would go sit on the couch and watch TV until 5 a.m. Um, I didn't take a lot of joy in anything. I was just kind of numb. I was just like confident everything has gone wrong. Everything's going to continue to go wrong. It's not going to get any better. Um, it was a very tough time. And if you would have asked me in the moment, you know, well, are you depressed? Or Amber said a couple times, I think you're depressed. No, I'm not depressed. There was nobody in the church that came up to me and said, boy, on Sunday in the video, Dan, you, you kind of look like you're depressed. You look sad. You look bothered, you know. But um, I know the toll that it took on me uh, mentally, the toll it took on me physically. That's a very real thing, you guys. Like, I aged so much. I look at videos of myself from, like, 2019 and 2020. I had flawless skin, not a single wrinkle. I, I had, like, a full hairline. It was, And then the pandemic and this construction project, it just, like, ruined me. And um, it took me four solid months to get through it. Now, the reason that I bring it all up is because Holly said, hey, share your story. And I'm grateful to say that I came out the other side of it. I came out the other side of it because the fears that I had ended up not materializing, right? Like we were able to get the stupid construction project done and we were able to get the church open again. And so I was like, okay, the things that I was afraid of didn't end up happening. And I look back now and I'm like, there were four months, four of the worst months I've ever had in my entire life. And I look back and I'm like, boy, I wasted a lot of that time over things that I didn't have to. If I could have taken some outside counsel, if I could have encouraged myself more in the scriptures, if I could have found a slightly more objective perspective, then maybe I could have gotten through that season a little bit faster. The point is, like, for many of you, this is seasonal, it's acute, it's like something that hits because of a particular trauma or time in your life or something. For others, it's a lot more generalized and it's something that you just deal with on a regular basis. But we are fully confident that in the Lord, there is hope for us all. That there is a path out of the darkness, out of the cave and into the light. 
And so you guys have submitted some questions, um, lots of questions actually, which is exciting. Um, and we're gonna take a little bit of time to answer them. We're gonna try to get through as many as we possibly can. If we don't answer your question for some reason, it's not because it's not valuable. Um, we just have a limited amount of time, okay? So there are a few questions that um, are here, ladies, and they deal with the subject of triggers, right? Um, we talked about the fact that anxiety, anxiety often occurs as a result of some sort of trigger. So one of the questions that was asked was like, what if you have triggers, but you don't know exactly what they are? You find yourself anxious, but it's not a single past incident or episode that seems to be triggering the anxiety itself. How do you dig down and figure out what it is that's causing you to have these anxiety responses? Yeah, so I think you, you have to start tracking. And so much of mental health is, actu is actually work. Just like body health, physical health means going to the gym and tracking your numbers and walking and um, eating healthy and all of those things. So does mental health. And so you have to start journaling, have to start tracking, start seeing when is this happening? What am I feeling in my body? What am I thinking at the time? And what am I believing at the time? If you can ask yourself all those questions, you'll start to dig deeper and you'll start to figure out, okay, what is actually triggering me right now? It might be a belief. It might be a feeling. It might be a place. It might be... Um, people have like repressed memories all the time. So it could be that something happened to you in a certain place and now when you go anywhere that reminds you of that place, you're triggered. Um, so you can um, start to notice patterns is what you're looking for. And so journaling, tracking, and if you still can't figure that out, then it's time to see a counselor and start to um, dig deeper with them and they will know the questions to ask you. They'll get to know you as a person and um, sometimes they kn get to know you better than you know yourself and they can help you figure that out. Okay. If you do know what the trigger is, the most popular question that was submitted tonight was how do you train a past trigger out of your brain? How do you tell your brain that this danger isn't actually real? Um, so I think uh, so often I like to think in terms of inner man and outer man. So you want to always be um, always always be treating both. Okay. So how do you train them? Sometimes it's in your body. Our body stores memories. And so if you are feeling a trigger, it might be that your body needs help to feel safe. So um, there's, there's a lot of things, but again, working with a trusted counselor would be really helpful for you. But doing things like going, reminding, reminders of safety, like we talked about in that upper Kananaskis Lake, right? And doing deep breathing, bringing scripture to bear on your situation, all can remind your body that it is safe and, um, and making sure your body is safe. Some people are triggered because they're unsafe, right? So making sure that you are safe and, um, and then treating also the inner man, reminding yourself of truth, going through that Philippians 4 passage, is this pure, is this lovely, is, is it of good report? And so you want to, um, 
attack is not the right word, but <laughs> attack it from both angles, right? And um, yeah, it, did I answer the question? I have the next one. If you don't struggle with anxiety, what is the best thing you can do for your spouse who does struggle with anxiety? Um, I think on that one, learning to be a good listener uh, is a good one. Uh, give them a safe place to to process without judgment. Um, and really just like we've talked about already, reminding them that they're safe. Um, not and validating what they're feeling and reminding them of ways to process through it of uh, like Jen said if someone grabs your hand and helps you breathe it'll help calm your anxiety twice as fast right so again not saying oh just get over it you'll be okay you need to stop worrying sometimes that causes more damage than good but taking the time to really listen to the person and and not try to solve their problems for them, right? If they need you to help with suggestions or ways to solve the problem, then give them the opportunity to ask for that or ask them if that's what they want, right? But I, I really, I cannot emphasize enough the value of a good listener. Um, and it's hard when it's the people we're closest to that are struggling because their pain is our pain. And when they struggle, sometimes we do too. Um, but I think it's good to give them a good safe place and, and be willing to say, hey, do you think you maybe need to talk to a professional about this? Do you think maybe we need to go talk to uh, our pastor or some trusted uh, per person in their life, right? So again, helping them listening well and helping them to feel safe is probably two of the best things you can do. Often when I'm talking about co-regulation, that's what we were, that's really what you're doing with your spouse, right? Um, I always say the first thing is compassionate presence. So if you can remember that little phrase, compassionate presence. So you're there, you're not going anywhere, but you also have compassion for that person. And because I'm the pastor, I'll say, uh, you know, I, I really believe the most effective thing you can do for somebody else um, in your life is to pray for them regularly. So if, if you have somebody that struggles with depression or anxiety or other mental health issues, then pray for them as if it were your own. Pray for them with that sort of intensity, that sort of hopefulness, faith, and confidence. Um, the Holy Spirit can do a work that we simply can't. And so I never want to give the impression that the answer to mental health issues is just pray about it. That's not it. But it's prayer and. It's prayer and. And a lot of times we do the and and we forget the prayer, and that's no good. Sometimes we do the prayer and we forget the and. That's also no good. So in the same vein, ladies, um, one of the questions that was asked is, what are your general thoughts on anti-anxiety medication? Uh, I think that um, medication is needed for physical disorders. Um, the same way you need medication for any other physical disorder. So if you have a generalized anxiety disorder, then one very effective way to treat that is medication. If you, um, if, if you don't have a generalized anxiety disorder, you can likely learn to manage small bouts of anxiety without it, um, but definitely talk to your doctor because it is an effective way. Um, I am very much pro, let's as Christians normalize taking medication for our mental health because if you have a mental illness and illnesses, we treat them with medication.
right? So um, yeah, I take a, I take medication every day. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Echo it. Amen. Okay. Uh, the next one is, I don't understand how to feel or lean on God when my anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts take over. How can I lean on him and find comfort? Uh, so my current scriptural obsession is Psalm 16. Uh, so I would go through that and start to start to read that. Um, uh, I don't have it memorized right now, but he says talks about uh, there's a verse in there where he says that um, I I rejoice and even my body is at is uh, feels safe with him something like that and um, I think how do how do you lean on God when you have that depression suicidal thoughts I struggle with that a lot with bipolar uh, I have very low lows and times of of feeling suicidal times of feeling very, um, very down. And yet, because I have reminded myself of the truth so many times, I have started to believe it, even in those dark times. You know, the, um, you'll see memes and Instagram posts and all these things where it says, the Bible tells us, do not fear 365 times. So there's one for every time of the day or every day of the year. So therefore you'd never need to be anxious again. Right. And that seems trite because you're like, well, uh, I'm anxious. And so therefore it didn't work. Um, but I also, think what about leap years? There's that one day <laughs> every four years so where you're allowed you, to be afraid. You can I be guess. anxious that day. <laughs> um, but the, um, the reason God does that is because he knows we need to be reminded and it's important to him. It's important to him that we are reminded of those do not fears. But if you start to, if you start to um, read them and really look at them, you'll see that every time it's do not fear because I am with you. Do not fear because I am your God. And all the, all those do not fears are not based on what we do or what um, pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps or figuring out life on our own. All of those fears are, it's like a father comforting a child. I'm here. I'm here. Don't worry. I'm here. And so I have drilled that into my mind in the good times so that in the dark, I remember. And the scripture works a supernatural piece in my heart. And so if you have those times when you are, it is dark and you are feeling suicidal and you don't remember, you run back to that scripture and you tell yourself, this is true no matter what I feel right now. Because if you don't feel it, that doesn't change the truth. Right. God is with you. And you have to remind yourself of that over and over and over again until um, you can believe nothing else. Yeah. I think that over and over and over again piece is really critical. Often when I counsel with someone and they say, listen, it's just, it doesn't help. Like I pray, doesn't help. I read scripture, doesn't help. When we dig in, Oftentimes what we find is that somebody will read or pray once or twice, and they're like, I don't really feel any different. And it's a little bit like going to the gym if you're real out of shape. I love going to the gym, you can tell. And uh, if, I, if I really wanted to get in shape this summer, I couldn't hit the gym tonight 
and then walk away saying, well, it doesn't work. I would have to put in some time. I would have to be consistent in order to start to see the results. Sometimes God might come through miraculously in the moment and just deliver you. And I pray that he does. More often than not, it is a process. And you have to trust that process, keep doing the work that Jen and and Holly have talked about, and then over time see if things don't start to turn into a better direction for you, okay? So I'm just encouraging you, don't give up there um, too quickly. Yeah, and I would say that um, knowing God's presence didn't automatically chase away the dark for me. Mm -hmm. And it was, he sat with me in it. And I call it the dark middle. It's the, it's the middle of the time. I don't know when God will deliver me from my mental illness. I expect at this point that it will not be till I get to heaven. And that means I will go through more dark times, but because I believe that because I have put it in my mind over and over again, the times in the dark are sweet. I, I see God illuminating my dark. I see him sitting beside me. I like to think in pictures and I, I see him beside me with just a little bit of light on his face, just so that I know he's there, mm. you know, and it, um, it becomes a sweet time where it's just me and God and, and no one else understands, you know, no one else knows it's often in the middle of the night when there's no one to turn to. And I, I depend on God and, uh, but because that is what I believe. And if I didn't believe that I would be as scripture says of all men, most miserable, because why would we keep going through the dark if we didn't believe that God was there with Mm. us? Uh, another question that was submitted. I like this one, a little bit of a different twist on things. Are there practical ways to help a small child who is anxious? Breathing exercises or reciting scripture may not always be easy for smaller children. So what do we do with kids in particular to help them if, or, or beyond that? Yes to those and other ideas. There's one person on the stage that has kids. So we're going to leave this one to you. Okay. Okay. Um, so I think this is where this idea of co-regulation is so important. And I think, um, that many kids are very dysregulated today because many parents are very dysregulated. Um, and it is that that's maybe a harsh statement, but it's, I think it's, it's true. And I think that we have not learned how to regulate ourselves and therefore we cannot co-regulate someone else. And so, um, you need to, when your child is having dysregulation, you need to be what you want them to be at the time. So if you have a child who is dysregulated and you're saying, calm yourself down, that is not helping them. That is continuing their dysregulation, right? You need to be the one that shows them, this is how we act, this is how we calm down. And their body, the Science is so cool, and it just continually uh, tells us what the what the Bible says is true. But there's things called mirror neurons in your brain, and we see this. Remember that infant that we like laid on the floor and told her to calm herself down. If if that if you smile at that infant, they'll smile back. If you um, laugh, they laugh. 
And then it works the other way too, right? Like if they won't stop crying, you feel like you won't stop crying, right? And so um, those are mirror neurons. How many of you can walk past a smiling baby in the grocery store and not stop and smile, right? Like you, ha you have to do it. And, and you look like crazy in the, in the, in the store because you're like smiling at the baby in line, right? And so there's even mirror neurons where brain science is having that person, that little person um, reflect whatever you're reflecting. And so teaching them to calmly breathe from, the, from being a very, very small child is possible. Teaching them scripture. Holly um, testified that scripture helped her at four years old, right? Scripture is not just for adults. And so teaching them that God is with them, teaching them that um, they can calm their nervous system and doing those tools that we would do for ourselves with, they don't have to understand the brain science and they don't have to understand nervous systems and amygdalas, but they can, um, they can respond to it. Their bodies will respond. So some practical things. Um, there's a new book coming out uh, tomorrow called Count Yourself Calm. And I would encourage every parent of young children to get that. It's a, by a biblical counselor who's a friend of mine and you can get it on Amazon, and it goes through a whole grounding exercise with children, and, um, and, but uses scripture to do it. And so it's uh, a very cool uh, tool, and that would be one practical resource for you. But just remembering, they're gonna reflect what you're reflecting. That's good. Yeah, so uh, I want more support from people at church because I've been struggling but I have anxiety about reaching out because of past bad experiences. So I'm gonna read into this question a little bit, like possibly some triggers from a past experience in a religious organization. So how do they get past that trigger so that they can reach out? I think it, a lot of it is there's always more grace. Um, and the people who may have hurt you in the past are not necessarily the people you've kept in your circle. Uh, so don't, don't assume that the people around you now are going to hurt you the same way the people in your past did. And again, it takes a lot of courage to admit, I'm struggling, I need help. And you leave yourself very vulnerable in front of the other person that you're asking for help from. But I also believe that God is good and his Holy Spirit will prompt you to ask the right person. And so he has laid out the path for you to talk to that person. So be courageous for that moment and ask. Um, again, I know it's not easy. Uh, I am the worst, the worst chief of sinners here at, for asking for help. Um, but the times that I have, God has been faithful to put me in the paths of people who are prepared to help me and prepared to come alongside of me. So if you are struggling, ask. There are people here that, that love you and will walk with you and pray with you and get you the help that you need if they can't, okay? So I be just, courageous. I just want to add to that. So um, if you're part of Connect Church, then we have built it into the way that we do church here. We have Connect Groups that relaunch every semester. 
So at the end of May, we're going to have what's called Group Link, and we have all of our new group leaders out in the lobby after that Sunday, and you can sign up for a new group. And we do this very strategically because, especially for people who are new, but also for people who have anxiety about being in a social, social situation. We don't want you to feel like you're walking into something where everybody already knows each other. Everybody's been friends forever. Everyone is new to the whole new round of semester of connect groups. And we do this for you guys so that you feel comfortable walking in and meeting somebody because everyone's new. And that's the perfect place to, to gather relationships and build relationships so that you can open up. Don't just put that on leadership because we cannot meet everyone's needs emotionally or whatever. So make sure that you're in a room, in community, building life around each other. There were a couple of questions that were submitted specifically around church abuse, um, PTSD regarding church experiences and things like that. Um, I Listen, I, I know that pain and hurt well. I won't pretend that I have the worst church experiences in the room. Some of you probably have worse, but I wonder, has anybody else ever been called in to testify in a criminal trial in which your pastor and boss is the defendant. I have. I know what it's like to be a part of very toxic, unhealthy, secretive, damaging congregations. And so we've worked really hard to create a safe environment here that truly reflects the love of Jesus with openness and transparency and accountability and all of those different things. We don't do it perfectly, but I think we do it fairly well. I am biased, I know. But I would love to talk with you a little bit more. If you're like, I need to tell somebody. I, I'll sit and listen to your story and I'll commiserate with you. I'm like, your pastor sucked. Those people were awful. I will commiserate with you because I know what that's like. I genuinely do. Um, one of the only ways that we're ever going to get past that level of church trauma is to process it. And you can go to a counselor. The difficulty is there are some counselors that don't really understand the faith aspect of things. They might be really good mental health counselors, but they don't understand the faith aspect of things. And so seeing either a Christian counselor or a pastor who at least kind of understands some of those things, I think could be really helpful. The key here is you do have to take a step. You have to trust, you have to try. And I know that's hard, but I'm just telling you, I'll do everything I can to support you and help you in that journey, okay? Um, all right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Simone Leads a Freedom Group. It's um, a men's group, women's group. It's specifically designed to help process some of these past um, wounds and traumas that we have from family and from church and like it's effective you guys the people who go through our freedom groups uh, they come out healthier than any other group system that we have here at the church and so yeah I, I would highly encourage you guys to check that out okay we got time for maybe um, one or two more here um, gosh this is such a big one um, I know what I want to say this but I'm curious what you want to say um, where did it go? Sorry, I just lost it. I scrolled past it. Okay, so here's the question. This breaks my heart, but I'm glad you wrote it. Uh, it says, I've never felt safe in my entire life ever. How do I feel safe where I am, let go, and put down my past? I feel unsafe everywhere. Probably that level of uns uh, feeling unsafe is related to abuse. And so if you have that level of abuse in your, in your life, you need professional help. Yeah, that's exactly what I would have said. Yeah. And so um, I, that is not something that you just will away or figure out on your own. And so I would really um, 
encourage you, find a Christian counselor, find someone who deals with trauma, and um, yeah, and start start getting help where your body feels safe and your mind feels safe, and find someone, the first step would be to find someone you feel safe with, mm. feel safe to talk to. Um, so, you know, do a consultation, do a couple sessions, find, if that one doesn't work, find someone else, and um, yeah. Yeah, that's precisely what I would say. Uh, there is nothing wrong or shameful about getting professional help. Uh, I pretty much believe everybody should have it at some point or regularly even. And so, um, yeah, when you're dealing with that level of, of problem, it is something that's only going to be worked out in time with a trusted biblical, I would say, counselor in this circumstance. There's really not much that we're going to be able to say in a soundbite answer that's going to make any sort of difference at all, other than talk to somebody who could help you long term. With all that being said, um, there are a few things that I want to let you guys know about. So the first is, uh, as a church, we are committed to helping people experience better mental health. So you may remember that as a part of our Crazy Faith um, series last year, we actually set up a counseling fund for people inside of our church. I know many of you have benefits packages that cover counseling and all those sorts of things. But if finances are a, a hindrance to you getting the counseling that you need, all you have to do is email the church, hello at Connect Calgary. Our administrator will see it. They'll handle reimbursing the cost of your expense. We've got, you know, a formula and a process and all that sort of stuff. But it's there so that you don't have to worry about the financial aspect of it. And here's the, what we can tell you, promise you, nobody else is going to know about it. I don't know who uses the fund or anything like that. But Kyle just reminded me there are monies available there to help you guys um, if you need it. Uh, in addition to that, you would imagine probably that we get requests for Christian counselors all the time. And so we have a solid list of vetted counselors that we've put together. Top of the list is Jen and Holly at the Hope Care Counseling Center. They're based here locally. Most of what you guys do, from what I understand, is digital. So it's super convenient. We have a few, at least, of our people that have been to see them. For counseling sessions and things like that, I've referred, and I would highly encourage you guys to check them out. Your website is hopecarecenter.ca. Hopecarecenter.ca. It's also on the paper that you have there. So I'm I'm super happy to recommend these ladies to you. If you would prefer a male counselor, or you're looking for something else for some reason, or you just want a broader recommendation list, you can also email the church. Kyle and I, Kim, we all have these resources available, and um, we would love to get them into your hand. The key is like you don't have to suffer alone. Like we're not going to be able to fix all of your problems, but we can help connect you to resources that will genuinely make a difference in your life. So yeah, I think that's about all we've got time for. I want to say thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Um, we'll be around. These ladies might be around for a little bit if you want to ask some questions one-on-one, -on -one. but we hope that this has given you maybe some practical tips and some spiritual foundation to process and deal with your emotions a little bit better. Can I pray for you real quick before we dismiss? Lord, in Jesus' name, I bless every single person that's in the room. To one degree or another, we all struggle with mental health issues. And so I'm praying, God, first and foremost, that we would see ourselves the way that you see us. That, God, there would be no lie from the enemy about our identity or about who we are, God, that we would believe and buy into. I pray that your truth, your word, and your spirit would be the loudest and clearest voice in our lives. And Lord, I pray for each and every person that's struggling in the room right now. God, I pray for the person that suffered abuse in their life. 
God, I'm so sorry that they went through that. And I pray that you would draw them close and that, God, they would sense acceptance and love like they've never known before from you. I pray, God, that there would be healing for them. Uh, I pray that they would be surrounded by people that they could trust and that, God, um, before it's all said and done, they would have a powerful testimony of how somebody meant something for evil in their life, but, God, somehow you used it for good. I pray, Lord, for those that have chronic illnesses. Lord, I know there were questions about that. I know um, that people are battling physical health issues right now. And I'm just praying that as doctors work on their bodies and you, you seek to heal them physically, that emotionally and spiritually, God, they could be whole as well. Would you just encourage them? Give them great faith and confidence, Lord, that you see their struggle. You know their hurt and heartache right now. And God, you are at work on every part of them not only their physical being here in the moment. And God, for those who have friends and family members that struggle with these issues, maybe they don't have this burden themselves, but they care about somebody who does. Would you just enable us to love them well? Would you help us to see them correctly, to be patient, to be kind and gracious, as that passage from Philippians calls us to? Lord, help us just to reflect Jesus to these people that we care about so much. So thank you, Lord, for the help that we've received tonight. Now, by the power of your spirit, will, will you enable us to put it into practice and to see better fruit as a result in our lives? We love you and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.